Welcome to my fifth logbook, an in-between seasons update on what's happening in the field of entrepreneurial ecosystem building, what's going on behind the scenes of the show, and what is happening in my day job as Director of Ecosystem Building at the Shenandoah Community Capital Fund. In this somewhat quarterly format, I love sharing with you what I've learned over the previous months and maybe more importantly, what I have planned for the next quarter. Today's logbook, however, also marks a one-year anniversary of this show, more or less. So I'll take stock of the first year of this podcast and fill you in on what I have planned for 2023. Last but not least, we'll get to my favorite part. I'll invite you to join me. I'm sharing several opportunities in which you, my dear listeners and raving fans, can get involved in what I'm doing. Welcome to Ecosystems for Change, where we co-author the playbook on transforming communities by amplifying the impact of changemakers around us. Whether you are an entrepreneur or otherwise changemaker yourself, a citizen who loves their community with a passion and wants to see it thrive, whether you are a mentor, investor, support organization, advisor, philanthropic funder, economic developer, or policymaker. Learn the practical tools and proven tactics of ecosystem builders from all around the world to better support the dreamers, doers, tinkerers, and makers in your community by taking a systems approach to social change. I'm your host, Annika Horn. As far as the field of ecosystem building goes, I have to admit that I haven't heard much from the front lines. Startup Champions Network is planning their spring conference in D.C. and NBIA is hosting theirs in Detroit. Dates to be announced. After their fall convening in Indianapolis, the Ecosystem Building Leadership Project is heads down doing the work. And I have the sense that most of our colleagues are preparing for the new year and working through the end of year crunch. At the Shenandoah Community Capital Fund, we spent the last quarter on developing three regional case studies on entrepreneurship in the Shenandoah Valley to raise awareness of the entrepreneurial talent and their support system in the western part of Virginia. In November, I convened a regional coalition of ecosystem supporters from around the region for our quarterly work session around entrepreneurial support gaps, solving challenges, and driving our regional storytelling efforts. Early December marked the one-year milestone of our two-year Community Navigator pilot program. In brief, we at SCCF are the hub working with five spokes entrepreneurial support programs to expand access to training, one-on-one -on -one technical assistance, funding, and community for underserved entrepreneurs in the Shenandoah Valley. I'm proud to report that over the first year, our consortium has delivered over 250 hours of workshops and group trainings to more than 360 black and brown founders, as well as women entrepreneurs in our part of the state. If you want to learn more, head over to the blog at sccfva.org. Now let's turn our attention to this lovely show called Ecosystems for Change. I couldn't quite believe my eyes when I saw that the show has over 3,100 downloads in its first year. You really came through, y'all. Maybe I should run the numbers more frequently, but y'all, this is only episode 42. Over the last year, I've welcomed 25 guests onto the show for interviews across three full seasons with a few more guests sprinkled in for short guest appearances. And in early 2023, you will meet a few of them again because I'm checking in with a fun little segment of Where Are They Now? 
Together over the first year, we gathered over 80 different resources, ranging from books to articles and blog posts to organizations and events that everyone in our space should know about. That's almost seven new resources per month. Talk about the power of collective wisdom. With all that said, I'd love to hear what episodes, guests, or insights from this year stuck with you. Was there a certain conversation that helped you move forward in your work? Was there some particular grain of wisdom that stuck with you? Was there an episode you listened to more than once or that you sent to someone else because you thought they would benefit from it? You may not be aware, but most of the time as I publish these episodes, it feels a little bit like talking into a void. So I particularly appreciate when someone reaches out and lets me know what stuck with them, what made them feel or think about something in a different way. Let me know and I promise I will respond. As host of this show, I learned a lot about podcasting, microphone inputs and gains, interviewing and how to actually turn your mic on. Speaking of which, you probably, or should I say hopefully, didn't notice this, but I recorded one episode during which my four-year-old daughter burst in and refused to leave while I was talking to April Rennie. I recorded an entire episode without my mic turned on because that certain four-year-old loves to play podcasting like mommy in my studio and had turned it off without my knowledge. We recorded episodes in which we had to pause for drills during constructions, for the weekly trash collection, a furniture company delivering a bed and marching up and down the stairs, and a lot of other fun background noises that I didn't even know could interrupt the flow of a conversation. And with all that, I have to thank my podcast team at Yellow House Media for managing the logistics in the background, editing each episode with so much care and writing killer show notes. We probably put 10 times more work into each season behind the scenes than what you hear on the receiving end. And I'm just thrilled to be working with such a talented and dedicated team who really understand what it is I'm trying to do. Hey there. While we're chatting about all things ecosystem building, I wanted to invite you over to socialventurers.com, where you can find even more content and insights into what we're talking about. And if you want to be the first one to hear about new episodes, get some behind the scenes content, and you could use a heartfelt reminder that what you do matters, sign up for Impact Curator. Impact Curator is my curated love letter to our community that hits your inbox every two weeks. And now back to the show. Now, let me tell you what I've planned for 2023. For the coming year, I'm working on three rich seasons of hopefully excellent content, as well as another summer skill session, which means we'll be adding three more chapters to our playbook of how to transform communities through ecosystem building. In season five, I'm excited to talk about quitting, be it an organization, a community, or the field of ecosystem building altogether. More than anything, I want to hear what happens after the great quit. Stay tuned. I will very likely tackle the topic of policy, which I have long shied away from, as well as one of my very favorites, storytelling and narrative change. With that being said, I'm always open to suggestions. More on that later. As I'm sketching out 2023, and I've mentioned this in earlier episodes, I'm trying to figure out how to spread the word about ecosystem building to adjacent fields. As you know, 
I firmly believe that thinking and acting through an ecosystem mindset is one of the most effective and holistic ways of addressing social and environmental issues that plague our present-day society. For example, I am convinced that economic developers would be intrigued to learn about how to grow their entrepreneurial ecosystem rather than competing in the attraction and retention race. I think philanthropists would learn how to create deeper and more meaningful impact if they understood how ecosystems function and how we can leverage them with intention. I'm working on a strategy to speak at events and be on other podcasts to get the word out about one of these best-kept secrets for creating economic prosperity and inclusive communities. We'll get back to that in a bit. Lastly, I hope to spend more time in 2023 to introduce you to more unsung heroes of ecosystem building. There are so many brilliant, hardworking, and super dedicated systems thinkers and doers out there. And I want to bring them on the show to give their voices and their work a platform to talk about what's going on at the grassroots of ecosystem building. I believe that by simply sharing what's working for us and what we're struggling with, we can tap into this incredible collective wisdom that allows all of us to do our work more holistically. So, before I spill the beans on how you can get involved in this show, I want to introduce you to one of those unsung heroes. His name is Neil Milad. Neil is a farmer in Camden, Indiana, but also a tech entrepreneur and ambitious ecosystem builder. In 2019, Neil bought the crumbling opera house of Camden and is renovating it into a rural urban center. Spread out across 18,000 square feet, the equivalent of 1,600 square meters, he is restoring the building from 1910 to become the home of classrooms for coding courses and online degree programs, a workplace for startups and remote tech workers, and of course, a coffee shop. Camden, Indiana has a population of not even 600 people. Yet Neil is determined to give the youth in his community a reason to stay and to put this rural Indiana region back on its feet. I caught up with Neil while he was at an Airbnb in Brussels, Belgium, during a recent trip to Europe where he spoke about his project and built relationships that will hopefully lead to partnerships for his work here in the U.S. I want all of you to meet Neil because his vision is audacious and I hope it reminds all of you why we do what we do, even when the odds seem not in our favor. And with that, meet Neil Milet. Neil, tell us a little bit more about what it is that you're working on and what is driving you on this, what is driving you in these efforts. You know, I, I grew up on a farm and I've always been incredibly passionate about innovation and I think even from an early age, um, I've kind of been an entrepreneur, you know, taking vegetables from our garden as a six or seven year old to our neighbors and trying to sell them. And I, I really would leave until I got at least a quarter. So uh, I vividly remember that as my first memory of entrepreneurship. But, you know, uh, over the last couple of years, uh, as I've worked on some of my projects, but also witnessing other people, I realized that. You know, entrepreneurship, innovation, um, the arts are dynamic aspects that don't really exist in rural America. Yet the ability to inject them into the rural ecosystem, if you will, rural communities, bring so much potential to unite people from 
both small towns and large cities because uh, you get collaborations and partnerships which you know let people focus on their strengths and celebrate each other's strengths as opposed to just tearing each other down all the time and uh, so it's kind of been the fusion of all that together which is really inspired me to focus on starting uh, both my for-profit activations and my charitable work through the Rural Urban Center. Neil, tell us a little bit more about your community. For those of us who haven't had a chance to come visit and see what you're doing, can you paint a picture for what's happening in your community and what life is like right now? Well, life in my community is very good. I want to make that very clear. We're very fortunate. We have a vibrant, small town. Uh, everybody gets along and knows each other. You know, uh, the actual city where I'm doing my my project in is about five, six hundred people. So pretty small on the spectrum of, of town sizes in 2022. Uh, hard to get much smaller than that unless you, you go out west or uh, in some of these uh, really remote parts of the country. Um, a lot of the people are farmers. Uh, a lot of people work in agriculture if they don't own a farm, rather as a service provider or, you know, as a machinery dealer. Uh, and then there's a lot of folks that work in manufacturing and some of these traditional uh, industries that Indiana is known for. Uh, but it's a beautiful place to live and uh, very fortunate to, to call uh, rural Indiana my home. I know you're working on a pretty big project with the Urban Rural Center. Can you tell us more about your ambition there and, and why you were working on this in the first place? Sure. So the Rural Urban Center is really um, a project that I started out of the desire to see meaningful change happen in a way that really, really centered around people. You know, um, for a few years, I, I really did a lot of research and I, I was traveling quite a bit back then. And I was fortunate to meet people all over the world who, who were really instrumental in the technology seen um, in government, in nonprofit and philanthropy. And I, I essentially have taken all of these experiences that I've been able to garner over the last 10 years and consolidate them into this project, which is really about bringing opportunity to people in small towns. You know, I use the analogy of basketball because I I think it's what Indiana is known for. We can all relate to that where I come from. But, you know, there are basketball gyms in pretty much every small town of Indiana. And, you know, we've seen how how sports can bring people together and unite them. So my thought process was let's build the largest tech and cultural hub in rural America in my village of Camden uh, and not only – touch the lives of people who live in our community, but serve as a point of inspiration and a blueprint that other people can follow across the country. A very humble, small scale <laughs> mission that you're on. You've been working on this for quite some time. You're clearly very passionate. You've put a lot of your own funds behind this. What are some of the challenges you're encountering in putting this together? Was it, has it been smooth sailing the whole way? Well, no, it hasn't. But if it were, I think it would have been done by now and somebody else would have built the model in the way that's actually meaningful. 
Um, you know, as someone who, you know, I, I come from a farm, it's not easy work. You got to be really tough and resilient. And then the stuff that we're working on in the technology world and the, uh, honestly, the machinery world uh, with the various projects we have going, um, it just forces you to be resourceful and, and never give up. So I think I'm, I'm, I'm definitely have an advantage uh, in the fact that I'm not looking at this just through the context of somebody who thinks entrepreneurship is cool. It's been my life for the last 10 years. I know what the sacrifices require. I know what it's like to put in your own capital. Um, we've we pretty much self-funded all of our for-profit activations as well. Um, so, I mean, I think it it's definitely different, the fact that besides trying to be a community builder, um, I'm, I'm like a pure heart and soul entrepreneur at the core of who I am. Um, but this, this particular building is 20,000 square feet, which is, I mean, if they were a house, it'd be the largest house within probably 30 miles uh, of this location. Um, and I guess I didn't have to start that big, but I thought, why not? You know, uh, I think that's what we learn coming from these small towns. I think that's what makes us special is when there's an opportunity, we seize the moment and we go full steam ahead. So we've been building this. Uh, I've primarily funded it myself, a lot of time, a lot of labor. But one of the biggest things that gives me joy is through this project. It's so much more than just the building. I, I tell everybody, the, it's like a, it's like a ship. You know, you see the ship coming in the, from the distance, like wow, there's there's this massive ship. But you know, inside is all these people and all these little compartments and and, and activities. And in essence, I'm building this to be a true uh, foundation, something that not only is a co-working space or a um, a place for people to take in, you know, music and culture but uh, an in institution that truly represents meaningful change for the way people from rural and urban communities interact, um, engage in dialogue, uh, work on problems, and then ultimately solve those problems together. And not just in America, but I mean, that's part of the reason I'm in Europe this, this month. Uh, building partnerships, alliances, uh, learning from people, you know, we're going to turn this project into a global organization uh, that represents um, truly the best minds and the best talent to help us accomplish this this truly massive mission. I can't wait, not even just to, for this to be done, but I can't wait to follow along the journey and just watch the process and see it unfold, which brings me to my next question. How can people support you? What do you need right now to move forward, to make it sustainable, to put it on solid feed? How can people mm -hmm. get involved? Well, I'm actually not asking for cash right now. Uh, I'm really focused on bringing the right people to the table. We're setting up some various advisory committees, which are actually kind of separate from the charitable foundation itself. It's more just for me personally to use to to vet potential partners and get people involved. Um, I think another big way that people could support us is, you know, come see us, come, come visit the, 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 the opera house that we're converting, 
um, come have a conversation with us in, in person. You know, I, I think it's really difficult to understand why we're building such a massive facility at this grand scale, unless you come meet the people from our community, such as the, the 16, 17 year old interns who we've given them their first job and their first paycheck and their first ability to really ascertain value for their futures. It goes very deep for me. It's, it's again, you know, anybody can create a tech hub, anybody can create a co-working space, but I think what we're doing is truly special because it's not really me. It's 15 or 20 people that we're giving part-time jobs to, or we're giving internships to in our rural community that are truly you know, taking ownership for the progress and they're taking pride in that. And it's already giving people hope and, you know, bricks, you know, wood, all that stuff's important. But if we want to truly make projects like this sustainable and scalable across the country, I think people need to have a better understanding for the folks and the families in these small towns that will ultimately benefit. And you, you got to meet them to, to understand that. I applaud your mission for a community, <laughs> you know, and, and you and I had this conversation before. There are certain support organizations who mm. technically support rural America, but yeah. because your community is really fairly small, like so many rural communities in America that mm. continue to shrink because young people don't have a reason to stay and it kind of ages out and people leave. Yep. I, can't wait to see what this prototype how it evolves and how it sure. continues on because i do think it can be a model for a lot of small communities in rural america and if we can do a little part to reverse that trend of people leaving i am so excited yeah. neil where can people learn more we have a website uh, ruralurbancenter.org you can like google me or look me up on social media neil milet um, that's probably the easiest way. I'm pretty simple. I don't really do a ton on social media. Um, and, and back to your point, yes, we have been overlooked. I, I spent a couple of years trying to feel the water out, seeing how we could reach out for grants and partners. And, um, you know, I think what it boils down to, to make these projects feasible is people just getting started and doing something and not waiting for somebody to help them. Um, it's what it takes. You know, I guess you can, you can spend your a couple of years applying for grants and going through this process. But uh, the way I see it, the people in these small communities don't have time to wait for the grant cycles. And until we can address that, we've just got to build and we've just got to really focus on execution um, and, and getting people engaged. I'm, pr I'm pretty passionate about execution. You know, anybody can talk. A lot of organizations talk about bringing change. And I will give them credit. They do to a certain extent. But when you live in a small town and uh, to a certain extent, you're willing to put in your own sweat equity and cash and you're still not given that same level of respect or acknowledgement, uh, you just got to do it yourself. And uh, part of my hope in, in this process is working to change that system so we can work with the government leaders and Uh, the folks at the state and local level to find ways to uh, make funds more accessible for those communities that are willing to actually not talk, but just go out there and get busy and, and do it. 
but yeah, I'm always happy to have uh, people reach out to me to discuss this as well. It's, it's really important that we act, not talk, I think. I applaud your effort. I am amazed by your commitment and tenacity, and I can't wait to see what 2023 has in store for you and for the Rural Urban Center. So thank you so much for sharing, and I hope to bring you back on the show to get an update sometime in 2023. All right. Sounds good. Talk to you later. Oh, I don't know about you, but visionaries and doers like Neil put the wind under my wings. If you have any ideas or concrete people to connect Neil with to help him move forward, please contact him directly. And speaking of supporting one another, here's how you can help move me and the show forward. If you have any unsung heroes in your community, allow us to meet them. Who is an ecosystem builder in your network who is doing something audacious that we could learn from? Who is someone who should share what they're working on because it's challenging the status quo? Do you know someone whose story might be inspiring to us other ecosystem builders to keep us going throughout the year? Are you that someone? Nominate them through the form in the show notes and don't keep these gems to yourselves. A little disclaimer, I can't promise that I'll get to everyone you sent me, but I promise I'll do my best to bring as many as possible onto the show. As you're planning out your 2023 conference season, let me know where you're headed. I hope to be in D.C. for the Startup Champions Network Spring Summit and would love to meet up. Another thing I'm constantly pondering is what you are pondering. If you're deep in the weeds, it can be hard to know what you're not paying attention to. So let me know. Are there any topics that particularly interest you? I'm always curious to hear what about this work doesn't make sense or costs you sleep at night. And with that being said... Who else needs to hear and learn more about ecosystem building? I don't know about you, but I believe that ecosystem building is key to driving positive and lasting change in complex adaptive systems. If you listen to other podcasts that you absolutely adore and think to yourself, man, Annika should be on this, please let me know. If you attend or know of events that gather fellow changemakers who are as excited as we are about creating a rising tide that lifts all boats, please let me know. Send me an email, respond to my newsletter, record a voice note on SpeakPipe, or reach out on LinkedIn. So, if you have any ideas for getting our point of view in front of other people, I'd love to hear from you. Take a look in the show notes to find out how to best get in touch. All right, my friends. That's it for 2022. We've added three more chapters to our playbook for ecosystem building, and I hope you had an impactful year. I can't wait to see what 2023 has in store for us all. And more than anything, I hope we will continue to be part of each other's journey. I will be back on January 10th with an incredible bonus episode. I sat down with Melissa Roberts Chapman of the Federation of American Scientists to talk about federal funding opportunities for entrepreneurial ecosystem builders here in the United States. Once I heard there were billions, capital B, of dollars coming down the pipeline for our work, I had to find someone who could break it down for us. And find her I did. Follow Ecosystems for Change and sign up for my fortnightly newsletter, Impact Curator, to make sure you don't miss this episode or any of the ones that will follow. In the meantime, I can't wait to hear from you about the unsung heroes of ecosystem building in your community. 
about which episodes and themes you enjoyed this year and what you want to learn more about next year. And don't forget, if you know of awesome podcasts or events where people like us hang out, listen, learn and connect, drop me a line. All links in the show notes. Happy New Year, my friends. And as always, thank you for everything that you do. I really appreciate you. Annika. I pay my respect to the traditional custodians of the land on which I work and live, the Monacan, Shawanda Setula, and Monahawk people. I recognize their continuing connection to land, water, and community. I pay respect to elders past, present, and emerging. This episode was produced by Yellow House Media. 